It's time for the Crunch Time Plays Podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. What's up, y'all? Liv Moose here. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hello, everybody. Thanks for hopping back into Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much to, for joining us. And it is time for the NFL Draft. And we've got the whole, we've had the whole week covered. We've got it again today. When we've covered so many teams in, in the front half of the first round, hadn't really focused on a lot of the teams in the back half of the first round. So that's what we're going to do today and, and talk about the Tennessee Titans and then some other AFC South teams. And we've got a guest that I'm really excited about. She's used to be at ESPN, but she's in Nashville now on ESPN 102.5, the game with Stillman and company. And just so thankful to have Caroline Fenton today. Caroline, hope you're doing well. And, and it's, it's NFL draft time. Can you believe it? It is NFL draft time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm new to Nashville, but super, super excited. We talk about the Titans and we were just saying like, it almost feels like Christmas. Like there's so much hype for the NFL draft. And I'm just, I I almost don't want it to be over. I'm just loving all of the hype. Yeah. I mean, I am too. And it's a pleasure to have you. And you know, you just got, got off a call with, with, with Titans GM, John Robinson. What, what did you learn from that conversation? Was there anything a groundbreaking that he said about the draft or, or whatever news you can share with us about that. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway and a lot of what has kind of been swirling around the rumor mill in Nashville is, are the Titans going to trade up to get one of those big time wide receivers to get Kyle Pitts? Or are they going to trade back and pick up a few more draft picks later to address all of the needs the Titans have? Um, so he said, you know, they're open to both of those possibilities. And I think it's really going to fall on draft day. You know, our, these big time players that are expected to go top 10, are they going to fall into the Titans territory? And if they can trade up and get them, what are they giving up? We discussed in Stillman and company last week. What if Devonte Smith drops out of the top 10? Are the Titans willing to trade up to get him and how far can they go? I'm thinking so the Titans are currently sitting at 22 in order to set their team up for success in the future. I don't think that they can trade up more than to 18, but if Devonte Smith is sitting there at 15, you know, are you willing to give up first round draft picks in 2022, 2023? Um, and you know, just, just weighing those pros and cons. So it's definitely a possibility that they could trade up or the Titans are also looking at Elijah Moore, a wide receiver out of Ole Miss. And he's kind of mocked late first round, early second round. So the Titans say, okay, this is our guy, that it really only makes sense for them to drop back a little bit in that 25 to 30 range um, in the first round and pick up Elijah Moore and also pick up some third or fourth round picks where they can fill those holes where they need a corner, they need a tight end, they need an offensive tackle. Um, So that's the best part, I think, about picking late in the first round is you have all of the possibilities in the world. Players can fall. Players can drop out. Players can get picked up when you really don't think they're going to. You know, I feel like in the top 10, it could be pretty pretty easy to guess which players are going where or which players are going in the top 10. But once you get into that late first round, there are so many question marks and so many mysteries. So I think that has been really fun with the Titans is just seeing how draft day falls out and how they're going to respond to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really been interesting because, I mean, the Titans are in a 22, which, you know, some people may consider that to be a bad spot, but it does give you that flexibility to be able to trade up 
and get a guy that you like if he's still on the board just to kind of see how the draft's playing out. But then it also gives you the ability to trade back and accrue some more picks. So it's definitely a, a you know a lot of a lot of time. But I wanted to put you in, in John Robinson's shoes if yeah. I could for a second. What what do you like? Do you like kind of going up and get let's say a, a Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. you know, which he only weighs 166 pounds, but I I just don't understand where where all the knocks on him coming from. I, mean, I think that's pretty ludicrous to me. To, but I mean, it, it may just be from from me being able to watch him so many times in Alabama, being being in SEC country just like you are now. But do you do you personally like staying at 22? Would you prefer to trade back or maybe go up and get a guy like Devontae Smith? Yeah, and it it totally depends on how the draft board falls. My ideal draft situation, um, you know, just seeing how how weak the Titans defense was last year, my biggest priority for the deep for the Titans this year is is fixing that defense and making sure that you have enough enough depth in all of your defensive positions. So ideally, um, I would pick up a pass rush in the first round in Jalen Phillips or Aziz Ojulari. If those are if those guys are still on the board, you got to pick them up at twenty two. Um, also, Gregory Newsom. Um, you know, the Titans signed Norris Jenkins in free agency, but that corner position just doesn't have a ton of depth. So if Gregory Newsom at a Northwestern cornerback, um, you got to take him at 22. If these defensive guys are off the board and you're still sitting at 22 and you don't really see any of those defensive weapons, my next option would be it, trading back and getting Elijah Moore. I mean, Elijah Moore would be a perfect fit for the Titans. He went to Ole Miss, as did A.J. Brown. Elijah Moore actually just broke A.J. Brown's receiving yards, single-season receiving yards record at Ole Miss. So they would just complement each other really, really well. And Elijah Moore is great in the slot. And that's exactly what the Titans need is to fill that slot position. If Devontae Smith is there at 15, like that definitely poses a very, very interesting scenario. He's small. He's not going to be able to fit in that that slot position. So you would have to move Josh Reynolds into that slot and then move um, Devontae Smith into that opposite role of A.J. Brown. So you're definitely moving a lot of things around. There's a lot more moving parts if you choose to to get Devontae Smith, but you're also investing in the future of your offense. Um, So, I mean, my ideal my ideal draft situation would be picking up a really quality pass rush, but we've learned that anything anything could happen on NFL draft day. So if I am John Robinson and Devontae Smith is sitting there at 18, I'm definitely trading up, um, you know, giving up a couple picks this year, maybe a, a first round or second round next year. But I think if, if the Heisman Trophy winner is on is available to you at 22, you got to get him. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And and one of the things that that occurred to me as getting ready for the show today was the Titans have drafted in their last, last three drafts, they've drafted three SEC players in the first round with mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilson last year, Jeffrey Simmons in 2019, then Rashawn Evans in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of, when you kind of look at some of these SEC players that could be on the board, talked about Devonte Smith and then, and then Elijah Moore. And then when you talk about Aziz Ojulari, Christian Barmore, and then even if, if you wanted to go, you know, the offensive tackle route, you find Alex Leatherwood there from Alabama. But yeah. what what is it about what is it about the dominance of the SEC that the NFL GMs love so much? I mean, that's that's why we've seen so many records broken for SEC draft picks. Yeah, I think it's because the SEC is as close you can you can get to NFL competition in college. Um, I mean 
the SEC is clearly dominant for a reason. It's because their players are NFL ready as sophomores. I mean, you look at Christian Barmore, he could have been in the NFL this past year. So I think that is what is so attractive is that, um, you know, Devontae Smith may be small, but he's gone up against big defenders because he's in the SEC. He's going up against Georgia defenders. He's going up against LSU defenders. So he's going up against these guys who are other first round picks. So I think just their readiness um, is one thing. And also the level of competition that they've already seen is such a big thing. And I know this doesn't necessarily, you know, pull a ton of weight, but there is something to be said about rejoining teammates in the NFL. Um, It's just that brotherhood. It's that connection that already exists as soon as you walk in the door. So if the Titans choose to draft Elijah Moore, he's already going to have a mentor in AJ Brown. Um, you know, Isaiah Wilson didn't happen to work out last year, but I don't think that that should be a concern for Titans fans or Titans front office in terms of drafting Georgia players in the future. I, you know, as I, Isaiah Wilson is not Aziz Ojolari, and he's, he's not the way that he was just because he went to the University of Georgia. So, I mean, I graduated from an SEC school. I love SEC football. And it's my personal opinion that there's just those are the best players that you're going to get. And also, if you just look at the level of competition in the SEC, you can argue that it is much higher than any other conference in football. And that's not to knock on the Big Ten, um, super competitive league. Then not, not to knock on the Big 12, because its offenses in the Big 12 are just dynamite. But, you know, when you just look at the SEC all the way around, the level of competition, the level of talent is just the highest in college football. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, people talk about, there's no minor league for the NFL, but when you talk about the NBA, the NBA having the G League and then Major League Baseball having having the farm system with the minor leagues, but but I actually look at the SEC as kind of the minor league for the NFL. It kind of is. I mean, you look at all of these you know big time players in the NFL. A lot of them graduate from SEC schools, and a lot of them start their 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 rookie season, and it's because, like you said, they've had that kind of. Um, that level of college football that kind of feels semi-pro. Yeah, there's, I wanted to talk. I wanted to ask you about Christian Barmore for a second mm-hmm. when we're talking about defensive linemen that the that the Titans may go after if some of those the stars are aligned. But asking you about the the idea of possibly, and I mean you could do this with Aziz Ojolari too, but specifically Barmore says he's more of an inside player, but mm-hmm. having the opportunity to pair him with, with Jeffrey Simmons and then you just signed Bud Dupree in mm-hmm. free agency as well. What, what could that do for the Titans defense? I mean, it's so huge. And just having size, power and depth at defense is so, so important. And adding Bud Dupree was huge for the Titans because their pass rush last season was just incredibly weak. So adding Bud Dupree in there adds a level of maturity and it adds a level of experience on the Titans defensive line that they didn't necessarily have before. Um, You know, you have Harold Landry on the other side, but he only has a year left on his contract. So you have to make sure that you are setting your team up for success in the future. So adding Christian Barmore would add depth and also just a ton of talent on that defensive line. What, when you start talking about Aziz Ojolari versus mm-hmm. Christian Barmore, is, is there one that you that you prefer over the other? But it, it kind of works both ways. I and mean, when we talk about Christian Barmore being more of an interior player, but then you could also pair Aziz Ojolari on the outside with Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if if they're both sitting there at 22 in the Titans pick, I would go with Aziz Ojolari just because he is he fits so perfectly into the 3-4 defense. And I believe it was Mel Kuyper who said he was the most limited defensive player in this draft just because he really only fits in a 3-4 defense, which is the defensive scheme that the Titans run. So I just think that he would fit so well in this defense. And he is a big guy, but also incredibly powerful. He's an amazing upper body strength. So I mean, you're really kind of picking two really great options. Um, Adding Christian Baumer to the defensive line would be absolutely a step up. Either of those guys would be, it would increase the level of that defensive line through and through. So, you know, you can't, it's hard to compare the two, but I would say Aziz, I would go with Aziz Ojolari if you have both options. But if Aziz Ojolari is off the board, Kalen Phillips is off the board, then Christian Baumer would be a, a wonderful addition, especially because you can assume that, Jalen Phillips is going to get off the board before 22 and not really willing to to trade up to get him if there are other really quality pass rushers available later in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And then we're kind of looking at, at looking outside of the SEC for some, some defensive line, linebacker types. You look, look at Jalen Phillips. We just mentioned mm-hmm. him. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's going to be available at 22. And then you look at a guy like Quiddy Pay and then a, a linebacker, Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. How do you kind of evaluate those three guys? Yeah, all incredible talent. Um, you know, interestingly enough, I've heard Quiddy Pay, you know, I've heard very, very different things about Quiddy Pay. You know, Mel Kuyper said he's one of his favorite pass rushers in the draft. And also I've heard about Quiddy Pay that he may not be the hardest worker. He may be, a, you know, last guy in, first guy out kind of guy. And this is just hearing things for the grapevine you know, don't want to um, speak poorly about someone when I haven't heard it from the source. Um, But that's just what I've heard through the grapevine. So, you know, if Pay is available, I think that I would, um, you know, if Zizo Jolari is gone, if Jalen Phillips is gone, I would rather drop back and get um, Elijah Moore rather than taking Pay at 22. But I don't think he's going to be available at 22, you know, but that speaks to his talent. Um, Zayvon Collins also would be a great option. Um, just don't know if he would necessarily fit into that Titans defensive scheme. Yeah, but I I, I agree with that. When the, just kind of looking at it from from an outside perspective, the defensive line pass rush would definitely definitely do the Titans a lot more good than 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 Zayvon Collins. But I mean that's just me. But but looking at looking at corner, the Titans also have a need there. Mm-hmm. Some guys that that could be available at twenty two when you look at a guy like Greg Newsom out of mm-hmm. Northwestern or even Caleb Farley may still be there with yeah. some issues with the medicals for him. Hey, what do you evaluate uh, those guys? And are there any other corners maybe outside of the first round? If you do take Elijah Moore uh, in the first round or another wide receiver, are there any other corners outside of those two that the Titans could be looking at as well? Yeah. I, I mean, if Greg Newsom is there at 22, you got to take him. I think he, you know, I, he could be one of the best corners in this draft. Um, so if he's there, you take him. Caleb Farley, you mentioned the medical issues, but you know, if the Titans do decide to draft him, I think that, that would be an incredibly informed decision. Um, everyone knows about Caleb Farley's medical issues, but if they're investigating it, if they're talking with it, talking with his doctors and don't think it's going to be an issue, um, then absolutely, you know, it would be a wonderful pick. Um, but I do think that there will be some really quality corners available later in the draft. Um you look at Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky, um, really, really quality corner. 
Um, and there's going to be guys that, that drop back as well. I mean, ideally you would get Patrick Sertan or JC Horn, but they're realistically, they're just not going to be available at 22. Um, JC Horn would be somebody if he's there at 15, 16, 17, 18, could consider you know trading up to get him because he would just add a level of of depth to that defense that would just be insane. You know, having Janoris Jenkins on one side and and JC Horn on the other, another SEC grad out of South Carolina. Um, so it, it would just depend on how it falls. But I, I do think that there would be some really quality corners available in the second or third round, um, which would be another incentive for the Titans to drop back if they don't have any of those defensive players available at 22. You know, drop back at Elijah Moore around 25 to 30 um, and get another third round pick. Because that third round pick could be a tight end, could be a corner, could be an offensive tackle. Um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of little needs that the Titans need to add depth at those positions. But corner is, is definitely a, a glaring need. I definitely have Gray Newsom as as cornerback number three in this class over Caleb Farley just because of the just because of the medicals, but also so yeah, but, but I mean also just the fact that that you know just watching Greg Newsom I mean he's it makes you believe that he's just going to be better than than Caleb Farley in the NFL and and just watching J.C. Horn live the last three years in, in Columbia it's it's really hard for me to believe that that a lot of people. Minnow's Patrick Sertain. He's a he's a technician. He he's not really getting beat by anybody. But but one of the knocks that I hear from a lot of people on J.C. Horn is his lack of interceptions, his lack of pass breakups. But I mean, that's just because nobody was throwing his way. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts said in an interview with Twenty Four Seven Sports that that was the toughest matchup that he had experienced all season when he had gone against Patrick Sertan in the SEC championship. So it, it really goes to show that, you know, he may not have had any, any interceptions, but that's because, you know, if, if I'm um, Colin, Colin Hill, or if I'm, if I'm any, if I'm any quarterback, I'm not throwing his way. Oh no. And, and, and Auburn last year, mate, Bo Nix, he, uh, he fell into that trap. He learned his lesson. Bo Nix <laughs> throw picks. <laughs> That that's that's really funny. I hadn't heard anybody say that before. You can tell that to Kennedy later on when you chat with her. That was our 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 go to um, little slogan on our on the southeastern podcast that we did together. <laughs> he he did just from watching. I know this is off topic for what we're talking about, but yeah. he he did look like a more kind of developed quarterback in the Auburn spring game with because I mean Chad Morris last year I, he. Bo Nix definitely took a step back last year with Chad Morris. I mean, I'm not trying to knock Chad Morris. He's a he's a great offensive mind, but it's just that system just wasn't working for him. Yeah, I agree with you. And I remember the beginning of last season, you know, Bo Nix was entering his sophomore season. And, you know, when you're a freshman starting in the SEC, you kind of have a little bit of leeway there. You know, you're knocking off the jitters. You're learning the offensive scheme. You're new to this SEC environment. But I needed to see Bonix take a, a huge step for me to be able to give him the kind of praise that he was receiving his freshman year. And we just didn't see that. Um, you know, that that does not go to say that he wouldn't be, he wouldn't take that huge step this year in his junior season. Um, I just, he's not at that level of SEC quarterback that you see at other schools. Kind of looking at a kind of couple hypothetical scenarios here with you uh, around, around the Titans first round pick. Yeah. So if, if you do get, a defensive lineman. If you do get one of those corners that we've been talking about in the first round, yeah. do, you, do you go ahead and take a wide receiver in the second round? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great talent 
outside of the top three. When you look at, at Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, I don't know is going to make it out of the first round, but, but also when you look at Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony out of Florida, some of those guys, Deami Brown is, is another name that I can think of that, that probably be there in the second round. In this scenario, do the Titans go ahead and take that wide receiver there in the second round? I would say so. Um, and again, that all depends on who's available, but you know, you take, you know, hypothetically Aziz Ojolari or Greg Newsom in the first round, Elijah Moore may still be sitting there at the beginning of the second round. Um, you know, the tight, it's unfortunate because the Titans don't pick until 53 in the second round. Um, so you're pretty deep in there in the second round. So, you know, you may be looking at, I doubt Kadarius Tony makes it out of the first round. And if he does, I think he's out in the, the beginning of the second. Um, you also look at Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU, really, really talented, um, you mentioned Rashad Bateman, also same kind of deal as Darius Tony. I doubt he makes it um, past the first round if he does early in the second, but th- this wide receiver class is just so deep. So if there's not a guy in the first round, that a wide receiver that you are just absolutely in love with, then there's going to be really, really solid guys available later on. Same thing with tight ends. You know, Kyle Pitts is very much so the best tight end in this draft. You know, you could argue that he may be the best pass catcher in this draft. I believe it's Jamar Chase. There's definitely an argument to be made that Kyle Pitts is the best pass catcher in this draft. So you're not going to get Kyle Pitts when you're picking at 22, but you look at Pat Fryermuth um, out of Penn State. You look at Tommy Trumbull out of Notre Dame. Really, really quality tight ends that will be available in the second or third round. Yeah, but I agree with you. And looking at the other hypothetical, let's say the the Titans do trade back in the first round and and draft Elijah Moore. Who are Mm -hmm. some of those defensive line corner prospects the Titans may be looking at in some future rounds? You know, it's tough picking defensive linemen out of the first round because you can really tell a dip in talent size and just quality of defensive linemen or pass rush whenever you, whenever you pick out of the first round. Um, you know, when you look at corners, you know, Calvin Joseph out of Kentucky is definitely an option. I had, I've written a few down. Um, you know, you look at, let's see. You know, Greg Newsom, he's not going to be there in the second round. Um, you know, Caleb Farley, like we mentioned, but, you know, he his injuries could cause him to drop out of the first round. Um, so if he's available in the second, you got to take him. I don't think that's the case. Um, but the, his injuries could scare a lot of people, as could, you know, Devontae Smith's weight could scare a lot of people, um, which could cause him to drop out. You know, I think that's a disservice to them. But, hey, when you're picking late in the first round, you're like, cha-ching, let him drop. That's totally fine. Um you know, and also you can look at offensive tackles. You know, that's a kind of a need that the Titans have had. They thought that they filled it last year in picking Isaiah Wilson, but, you know, that didn't work out. He hardly even played a, a, an NFL snap. Um, but you look at Taylor Lewan, who is big-time Tennessee offensive tackle. He was hurt end of last season. He's missed half of the past – half of the games in the past two years. He had some ED issues. He had uh, some injuries. So – you know, you need depth at that offensive tackle position. Kevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, you know, if you, if you find him in the second round, absolutely pick him up. Just adding a little bit more depth to these positions because, you know, these guys that you're picking in the second and third round, they may not start day one. They may, but they probably won't. But I think that's really important for the Titans right now is just to build depth and, you know, sit on the bench, grow, learn, and build up to that starting position to, to set the Titans up for success because, Ryan Tannehill's not going to be your starting quarterback forever. Derrick Henry's not going to be, you know, uh, 
a pro bowl running back for the rest of his career. So you really have to set your team up for success. You know, the, I feel like the Titans have like a two to three year window to be a, a serious Super Bowl contender. Um, Cause you look at this growing AFC South, you don't really know what, what the, what Carson Wentz in Indianapolis is going to look like. Um, but Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville, you know, I don't think that's going to make a huge impact on the Titans this year, but they're going to continue to grow their team. They're going to continue to get better. So the, the the competition is really kind of getting up there in the AFC South. So it's important for the Titans to capitalize on this two to three year period of um, the talent they have now and the talent they can groom coming up. There's definitely no doubt about that. And, and kind of looking outside of the second day, when we get into Saturday, kind of the, mm-hmm. the four through seven rounds, that's where a lot of your developmental players come from. And there could be some starters in there as well. Yeah. And and then starters, you know, guys that you can come in and develop that can start in, in two or three years. Who are some of those guys that, that you're looking at? I mean, just kind of looking at, at some of the guys when you talk about corners. I know there's a guy out of Appalachian State in Gene mm-hmm. Charles. And then you look at Hunter Long, also the tight end from Boston yeah. College. There's, a, a, there's a, still a lot of good prospects there on the third day for the Titans. I think um, Hunter Long, you mentioned, who would be a great talent, great addition to the Titans. And I think that there might be one surprise coming in the fourth to seventh rounds that the Titans may pick a quarterback. Um, Like I mentioned, Ryan Tannehill is not going to be the starting quarterback of the Titans forever. He has a couple of years left on his contract. He's getting up there in age. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Titans picking, you know, Kyle Trask if he's available in the later rounds. Um, you have Sam Ellinger, who, who will most likely be there, Ian Book, who will most likely be there. Two guys who had a, a good amount of success in college, but I can absolutely see the Titans picking up one of those quarterbacks, developing him, and putting themselves in a good position in case of injury, knock on wood, or in case Ryan Tannehill decides to retire after his contract is up. They're not completely you know, missing a quarterback. They have a guy who's been there, who's been learning and, and, and shadowing Ryan Tannehill. So I could definitely see them picking up a quarterback in later rounds. Also Titans need a kicker. It's not a fun, it's not a sexy pick, but looking at the sixth or seventh round, you could, I could definitely see the Titans picking up a kicker. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And and we're here with Carolina Fenton. She does an incredible job just talking about the Titans. It's just been a great conversation so far. And and Carolina, the last couple of things I got for you is where we're talking about, kind of taking a a little trip around the AFC South when you talk about some of these other teams that the, that the Titans are competing against twice a year. When you look at some of the draft needs for the Colts, you're talking about a, they need, uh, they need help on the offensive line. Wide receivers going to be a a good pick for them too. And then Jaguars have two picks in the first round. We all know who the number one pick is. And then they have number 25 pick as well. And then you look at the Texans, they don't have a pick. Until the third round, they just have a lot of turmoil going on in Houston. But who are some of the guys that that you could see those other three teams taking in the AFC South? And if and do you think the Titans would look at any of those picks and say, "Hey, we missed on that guy. Now we got to play him twice a year for the next however many years." I think that the number one team, I I don't want to call them a team of concern, but one team that the Titans usually go head to head with the AFC South is Indianapolis. Titans have the 22nd pick. Indianapolis has the 21st. They have very similar needs to the Titans. They need an offensive tackle and they need an edge rush. So, you know, if Zizo Jolari is sitting there at 21, I wouldn't be surprised if Indianapolis picks Zizo Jolari. And there you go. The guy who's really, really quality, who would fit in with the Titans very well. Now you're going up against him. 
Um, so that's definitely a, a difficult position for the Titans and would be an incentive to, 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 to try and trade up and pick before them. But then again, you're giving up extra assets later in the draft. Um, Indianapolis is going to be a big wild card. I don't think that adding Carson Wentz is going to immediately make them a Super Bowl contender, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and in terms of Jacksonville, I mean, we all know what they're doing. They're going to pick Trevor Lawrence in the first round. Um, but there's a lot of rebuilding that the Jacksonville Jaguars need to do. And I, I hate that, that term, a rebuilding year. It just feels very gimmicky, but that's exactly what they're doing. They have a new coach. They have a new quarterback. Um, it kind of feels like they're building it from the ground up. And when you look at the Texans, the t- through the through the first three rounds, the Titans have four picks. The Texans won. The Texans don't even know if they have a starting quarterback. You know, there are so many question marks around Deshaun Watson, um, and we don't even know what they're what they're going to choose, going to decide to do with Deshaun Watson. Whatever happens with his um, legal proceedings from here on out, I mean, the Texans are just kind of a dumpster fire at the moment. They have a lot of needs, and they have no draft picks. So, you know, that's not really a team of concern to me at the moment, but they may surprise me this season. Um, but I think you know, just battling with Indianapolis through this draft, throughout the rest of the season, um, and just seeing how that all pans out with Carson Wentz. But I think the Titans have kind of a leg up of any, any, any team in the AFC South because they are the only team returning with a, a veteran quarterback. They're coming, they won the AFC South last year, and they're only adding assets to their team from there. I mean, you know, you, you're losing Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, Dory Jackson, a lot of the, the depth that you had on, on offense and as well on, as defense. Um, but I think that this draft is going to be so imperative for the Titans, not only fill those holes, but improve those, those areas of need as well, that they gave up in free agency in order to get Bud Dupree. One of the, one of the questions, one kind of a fun question that just popped, literally just popped into my mind while you were answering that was what, what emoji was you consider the Texans to be? Cause when I think about them, I think, or, or GIF or whatever you want to call them, GIF or GIF. What, what kind, what, what do you, what do you think about the Texans? Cause when I look at them, I think about that dog that has the fire going all around. I, this, this is fine dog. I think about that. That's hilarious because that's literally the first thing that popped into my head was that dog. <laughs> that's like, everything is on fire around me, but everything's fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> and it's, so, it's, it's wild because the Texans are just in the, I think the absolute worst position at, of any team in the NFL, but you haven't heard anything from the Texans say, you know, in terms of what they want to do in the draft or in terms of, you know, coming out and speaking against or for Deshaun Watson, they've just been kind of radio silent. So it's, it's like, they're acting like, Oh, no, no, no. Like our, our starting quarterback is facing, you know, rape allegations and he wants out of this franchise. And we just traded away last season, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and just, and, um, and DeAndre Hopkins, but everything's fine. Everything is fine. So yeah, any sort of like dumpster fire sort of meme or emoji would totally sum up exactly what is happening to the Texans right now. <laughs> I know a lot of, a lot of people were using the dumpster fire with Tennessee with all the, with all the NCA stuff, the, the dark cloud that's hanging over Knoxville right now. I, yeah. I definitely, definitely could see people using that with the Texans too. Yeah. I mean, with, with Tennessee, Oh, I'm excited to see what happens with Tennessee this season. You know, um, there's just, they're not in as bad of a situation as the Texans. Let's just say that, but I'm excited to, you know, to see, you know, new coach, new quarterback, see what happens down there in Knoxville, but who 
to be compared to the Texans isn't necessarily a good thing, I would have to say. <laughs> no, definitely not. And and just to add, I mean, they aren't just watching Tennessee spring game. Their their quarterbacks actually look good, and I don't think yeah. they have. I don't think they have any idea who's going to start. And then this morning, just this morning, you add Joe Milton from Michigan to the quarterback room. So now it just yeah. kind of it just kind of throws that whole competition away. Yeah, and I just I I have to sympathize for Tennessee football players because they've seen what five six different coaches in the past ten to twelve years. That's hard. That's really, really tough to get used to all of these different schemes, all of these different coaches and all of these different cultural rebuilds within the program. So my heart goes out to Tennessee football players and also Tennessee fans. They just they deserve so much more than what they've gotten. And my my parents both went to UT. They they met at UT. My dad played at Tennessee. So it's it's rough to see them every year saying this is the year. This is the year. And I'm like, you've been saying that for the past 23 years, ever since 1998. But you know what? Just keep on keep on trucking. <laughs> well, the last the last thing I got for you as we're wrapping up is is kind of another fun thing to to kind of do kind of do some betting predictions on the first round. We started yeah. handing we started handing out some bets here on on the show just because I got I got a few few kind of bets that I want to throw at you and we can kind of talk about them a little bit. But but the first one is. Is there going to be a quarterback selected with each of the first four picks? Oh, I would think so. And that totally depends on what the Falcons do at four. Um, Cause I know that they have been talks of trading that pick with, you know, another team, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields go one, two, three, four. Um, I'm totally on the train of the 49ers are going to select Mac Jones I don't think that Mac Jones is the third best quarterback, the third best player in this draft, but it just, Mac Jones just fits that Kyle Shanahan system. Um, If, if I were to put, I would put money on it. I would put money on the first four picks being four quarterbacks. What the second one is over under 1.5 tight ends in the first round. Hmm. Under. I think that you see Kyle Pitts is the only tight end going in the first round. You know, I could see um, Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble. They could go early sec, early to mid second, but I think in the first round you're really just going to see Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And first first non quarterback drafted. This is tough because the. Cincinnati Bengals have a very, very unique position that they could draft. If Kyle Pitts isn't off the board, you could, they could draft Kyle Pitts. They could draft Jamar Chase, or they could draft Panay Sewell. If I'm the GM of the Bengals, I'm taking Panay Sewell. You have to protect your investment in Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow can't complete passes if he's on the ground. So I would take Panay Sewell. But also, you know, reuniting Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow from their LSU days would be really, really tough to pass on. So... I I say that the first non-quarterback taken off the board is a wide receiver in Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And then because that's a question that I've been wrestling with for like the past for the past week. Like you just and just kind of being an, an SEC person kind of leads us to want the Bengals to reunite Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. But then you also see that picture whenever they or debuting their new uniforms, you see that big old cut on Joe Burrow's leg, and then you're like, well, we got to have offensive linemen. Like, 
Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, if it's hard to say, but let's say, you know, throw up an ACL in that offensive line. Does Joe Burrow tear his ACL? I don't know. Who knows? Um, so I personally would take the ACL, but I think Jamar Chase is the second best player in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence. So it would be hard to pass on the second best player in this draft whenever you're picking fourth or fifth. Yeah, I agree. And got a got a few more. So the first yeah. the next one is first defensive player drafted. Ooh, that's interesting. I would say probably Patrick Sertan, corner out of Alabama. Um but you could also see a defensive lineman being taken. I, a lot of mock drafts have Aziz Ojolari taken at 11. Um, and some of them haven't been taken at like 34, 35. So the trying to figure out like what teams are thinking exactly. But I, I kind of go with my gut on this one, Patrick Sertan. Uh, either either Sertan or, or Horn would be my pick. And, mm-hmm. and you could also probably throw Micah Parsons in there. Yeah, but if, I, but absolutely. If, but if you're looking probably for the best value, I know J.C. Horn's hovering around plus 450 right now, so that that's probably the best best value if you're if you're looking for if you're looking to to score big there. But total offensive lineman drafted in the first round over or under 6.5. Oh, I would say under in the first round six. You know, seven is kind of a lot. Um, you know, you probably looking at Tevin Jenkins. You're looking at Panay Sewell. Um, you're looking at Rashawn Slater, Christian Darasaw. They all are very likely going in the first round, but I don't see more than than six going in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree because I think there's probably five, maybe six. I mean, you look at at Sewell, and then you have Barra Tucker, Darasaw. Slater mm-hmm. and Jenkins. So if you get all those guys, that'll be six. But I, I don't. I don't think it gets any above that. So I'd definitely take the under on that as well. And then, especially with this being such a, a deep quarterback and wide receiver draft, I think you see. I think those numbers would be higher if there weren't so many quarterbacks in this draft who are one hundred percent going first round. And those those first four I mentioned. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And then the last two are, are player related. Talk about their draft position. Yeah. J.C. Horn, we've talked about him a lot. Over or under 12 and a half draft position? I would say over. Over 12 and a half. Because I think that Pat, you're going to see Patrick Sertan go to the Cowboys and they're, what, 10, 11? Um, so I would think J.C. Horn would drop a little bit below 12 and a half. But again, they may decide to take J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertan. Um, but I, I kind of go with my gut there and say over. I I would probably say, and this is just me, but I'd probably say under on that just because I I really do think the the Cowboys will either take Sertain or Horn at 10, and then when I look at the Eagles at 12, I think they'll either take whoever the Cowboys don't take at 10. I think if you see Devontae Smith drop out of the top 10, I could see the, the Eagles taking Devontae Smith. Um, if he's not there, though, very, very likely that it could be J.C. Horn. And then the last one is another player that we hadn't mentioned. Is another SEC player. Imagine that. We're talking. Spend all day talking about SEC. Can players, you tell them but- we're both SEC homers? <laughs> hey, well, I mean, we're we're both in SEC country. So, exactly. I mean- <laughs> but then, 
And then, we, you know, we both graduated from SEC schools. So, mm-hmm. I mean, call us homers if you want to, but we're just identifying the best talent. I mean, I'm just, on. I'm proud of it. Homer and proud. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And then the last, the last one is Najee Harris. And we're, we're talking about, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on, on drafting running backs in the first round are, but to me, I don't know. I could feel in good confidence drafting a running back in the first round, especially when you look at the average lifespan of running backs. Mm-hmm. And then also, however, you know, there's just so many running backs in this specific draft, but Najee Harris over or under 28 and a half. Yeah. So I'm with you that the shelf life for a running back in the NFL, it, that is NFL, not for long. Um, you know, running backs shelf life just isn't very long in the NFL. And it's just not a very valuable position anymore since the NFL is such a, such an air ball heavy league, you know, the running back just doesn't have that same attraction. Um, And then you look at Derrick Henry, who is, well, you could say carries the Titans offense. So, you know, I might bite my tongue there. Um, I think that if there's a running back taken in the first round, it's going to be Najee Harris. Um, I think Travis Etienne may drop into the second round. Um, When do the Steelers pick? 24. 24. I could see the Steelers picking up Najee Harris. So I'm going to say under there. But if the Steelers don't take him, then I just, I think that he'll be picked up in the first round. So I'm going to say under there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Because the, the first team I thought about when I looked at that was the Steelers there at 24. And I'm like, I'm like, it, it's going to be hard to, to pass up Najee Harris if you're the Steelers there at 24. I agree. I mean, I understand that running backs just aren't a super attractive position in the NFL anymore, but he is just a freak athlete and would elevate any offense that he is added to. So for sure would take him in the, in the first round, but I saw an ESPN article this morning saying, you know, is Travis Etienne becoming, you know, surpassing Najee Harris as the best running back in this draft. And I was like, what, how did that happen? What in the world? Um, But I still, you know, I, I would put my money on under. Yeah, I mean, I, I would too. But the, the Steelers are also in an interesting position because they're a team that I look at because, I mean, we all know Big Ben's not going to be around for too many years more. Right. But then they're also a team that I could see taking Najee Harris at 24, but then maybe trading back up into the late first, early second round and drafting a quarterback. Oh yeah, absolutely. You could see that. And I, you know, I mentioned with the Titans earlier, picking a quarterback possibly between four and seven, just to start investing in him and just to have a backup there. I think you could see the Steelers doing that in the second or third, just depends on what quarterbacks are available. Um, You know, if the Steelers are picking in the top five, I think that they would take a quarterback, but you know, since they are picking later in the draft, um, addressing that need at running back there and getting a really solid quality running back and taking a little bit of the pressure off of Big Ben, but looking at a quarterback and possibly with the second or third round, I would not be surprised. It's just funny because this year's draft has such a huge drop off between that first and second tier of quarterback quality. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to to remember a draft where we had so much drop off. Probably, I really can't think of one in in recent memory. Yeah, I think the last time that there was so much quarterback quality and like that many quarterbacks are slated to go in the top five, I think that was the year that. Um, Eli Manning and Philip Rivers were drafted. Was it 1999? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that was the last time that there were so many quarterbacks going in the in the first few picks. So, yeah, it should be interesting for sure. Yeah, it should. And I, I ask everybody 
that I brought on talking about the draft, but is this the most anticipated draft that we've seen in the last 10 years? I mean, you could definitely make that argument. Um, And I think that has something to do with this past season being so different, um, both in college football and the NFL. Um, There were so many injuries in the NFL this past year. So, you know, you're, you're adding new needs whenever you have injured players. Um, And just the nature of this past year has been so different. So I, I think you could definitely say that. And also having four quarterbacks, you know, five, if you want to add Trey Lance in there. Um, when was the last time that we had five first round quarterbacks? I don't know. So I think that you could definitely make that argument and adding, you know, Jamar Chase and Kyle Trask, these position players that may not necessarily usually go top five, top 10, um, but you can't pass on them. So you could definitely make an argument that this is the most anticipated draft in a very long time. There's no doubt about that. And, and Caroline, thank you so much for, for coming on today. It's been an awesome, awesome conversation. Definitely have to have to do it again after the draft to, to kind yeah, of go absolutely. over go over some grades and stuff with you. But tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, and how they can how they can listen and watch you know, your show, Stillman and Company, there with Jerry, because y'all do an outstanding job with that. Oh, thank you. Well, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton one. Um, and then one Oh two five, the game, you can listen in on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook and the game Nashville app. There's no doubt about that. And I, and I, I watch, take it from me. I watch the show, you know, pretty much every day on Twitter. So it's, it's nice to, it's nice to put, it's kind of what we were talking about in the pre-show. It's nice to put a face with a voice on radio too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're just, you know, you're hanging out, you're not in your car, you want to listen, just throw us up on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook. Um, and we'll be there every Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. Central. There's no doubt about that. And make sure, make sure to listen to that show because her and Jared do an outstanding job. And, and she she keeps Jared straight most of the time. But, but sometimes I try he, my best. It is he, a tall order, but I do try my best to keep him in mind. <laughs> well, Caroline, it's, it's been awesome. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thanks to everybody for watching and listening today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the draft, everybody. It's going to be exciting. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.